following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? It is a thrill. I love this show. You're telling me a big fat lot. I was hoping for funny crazy. I will get on stage on Broadway and I will reenact the rantings of Charlie Sheen one day. Think you can replace me with some other guy? Go ahead. It won't be the same. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. Do not bring Shakespeare into this. You're so smart. Oh, really? Well, so are you. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. I know exactly who that is. That's the mother that loses every goddamn game. That's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Get rid of him. Wow. Bros, come on. I love you, bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me savior! What's up, party people? How we doing? Short-handed break. Stepping in, Carlson, he'll fire and score! John Carlson! I don't mind other guys dancing with my girl That's fine, I know him all pretty well But I know sometimes I must get out in the light Better leave her behind with the kids around song to begin the show? Well, I'll tell you in a minute. Welcome to the Bob Matthews Podcast. We're coming to you from the DraftKings studios on the Virginia side of the Potomac. And in just a few minutes, we're going to tell you how to get some free money, courtesy of our good friends at DraftKings.com. So the Caps and Devils skate to a 4-4 tie in regulation last night, and then the Devils win the practice shootout that they had, so officially it goes down as a 5-4 loss. But, of course, this is preseason, so we really don't care. But the reason the theme song today is the kids are all right is because we had a lot of youngsters for the Caps that played pretty well. And we got a special treat coming up for you in a few minutes, boys and girls, because we're going to be speaking with Richard Blosser. Uh, and if you say, who is Richard Blosser? Why, Richard Blosser is a fellow member of the hockey Richard is the host of Grit and Barrett, which covers the Hershey Bears. You can catch him on the Hockey Podcast Network anytime you want. So we're going to be speaking with we're going to be talking with him uh, about the kids in the system because I don't know the Capitals farm system has been maligned for quite a few years, and of course the proof will always be in the pudding if and when some of these kids get their shot. But I don't think the cupboard is quite as bare as a lot of experts say it is. Now, if you remember last week, our good friend Tarek Al-Bashir was on the show with us, and he said that it, it has come up from the very bottom of the league into the 20s now. I don't know, after what I saw last night, it might be uh, might be a little bit higher than that. Specifically, um, two young centers that might be getting a lot more action a lot earlier than they thought. I'm talking about Connor McMichael, uh, and Hendrix LaPierre. And of the two, McMichael, of course, was a little bit better known coming into training camp this year. And Connor McMichael skated pretty well last night, had a couple of shots right in front of the goal, didn't convert on him, but looked really good. But over two games now, Hendrix LaPierre has tallied four assists. Now, granted, this is not the regular season, and he was playing against some of the farm team guys for the Devils. But the thing that 
really excited me about watching Hendricks LaPierre play. And again, he's only 19. Uh, but it was it was seeing him out there and the moment not looking too big for him. He looked really, really good out there. And again, had a couple of really nice assists. Uh, the one to John Carlson on the power play uh, was really pretty. And, you know, if Nicholas Backstrom can't start the year, again, about a week ago, we would have said, well, then it's going to be Connor McMichael that'll start the year in Backstrom's place. And so which line do you put McMichael on? I mean, you know, a 20-year-old on the on the first line with Ovi and maybe Tom Wilson. Is that a great idea? So do you put Evgeny Kuznetsov out there? Do you slide him down to the second line, the third line? How does it go? Um, you know what? Hendricks LaPierre might have something to say about that. He just might. Peter Laviolette was asked about him last night and was about as complimentary as Lavi gets in these situations. Um, you know, I thought he was better tonight than he was last game. He was good last game. I thought he did a better job competing on pucks, a better job in the face-off circle. Um, you know, you could notice his speed and with the puck and how he attacked the game um, and able to generate some offense, so uh, another good showing. Is, is he giving you a lot to think about with him? I mean, usually a 19-year-old obviously still has a lot to, to grow. But, you know. Well, I mean, that's that's what he's young, you know, but that's what training camp is for, is to for people to come in and, and make a case for something. And so uh, and that's when the, you know, he's looked good through camp, but now he gets an opportunity uh, inside of the games and in situational play, and so far he's done a good job. Got a special treat for you now, boys and girls. Richard Blosser is joining us now. Richard is a fellow Hockey Podcast Network affiliate. He hosts the Grit and Barrett podcast, which covers the Capitals' top farm club in the American Hockey League, the Hershey Bears. Richard, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for, for having me on. And it is a glorious time of year where the Zambonis are put back into commission and rinks are starting to fill up with hockey once again. It's a great time of the year. I tell you what, I am absolutely loving it. And I'll tell you what, I was um, I was really impressed with the way we were talking about it a few minutes ago before you joined us here about how the kids played uh, last night in Washington's uh, game against the Devils. Um you know, it, it's funny because, and I was talking with Tarek Elbashir about this last week, the Caps farm system has been, you know, so maligned over the last few years of being barren and, you know, they've called everybody up and there are no replacements. I don't know what I saw last night. A lot of those guys look pretty good. Um, you know, what, what's your impression of them overall? Well, it's very good to see Washington finally start restocking and tapping into the farm system. There was a span of two or three years where the Caps sold off a lot of draft capita, no pun intended, <laughs> and draft picks to to really get OV that Stanley Cup. And they finally got it in 2018, but it was at the cost of the farm system to where you brought in vets and all you had were like third, fourth, or fifth round draft picks, which mm -hmm. some... Um, like Riley Barber, Madison Bowie, and Andre Burakovsky, who actually did play a couple games in Hershey, um, just kind of got lost in the shuffle because the Capitals were more interested in guys like 
Garrett Hathaway, Devontae Smith Pelly, which which did pay off. There's nothing wrong with him. But um, it just showed where the Capitals' focus was. And now last night, you're starting to see some more um, 2019 draft picks come up. Cody Clark did, you know, Cody Clark, Connor McMichael, Doss Wunderkin, as I call him. Um, I know he didn't do much last night, but um, he was starting to do some good work in Hershey last year. And um, a, a guy last night that was really, really good even and had two assists was Hendricks LaPierre. Yep. He was eight for 13 or like eight for 13 or eight for 12 in the faceoff dot. And that's always a great skill to have. And the Capitals haven't had a guy like that, at least in my opinion, since Chandler Stevenson. And he was traded off to Vegas a few seasons ago. Yeah, I, I tell you what, Chandler Stevenson was one of my favorite, you know, third slash fourth line players that I was really sorry to see go. Tell, tell me, and I want to get into LaPierre in a second, because I think he opened a lot of eyes last night, but tell me a little bit about Connor McMichael. Obviously, for those of us in Washington, you know, we have been hearing about him since he's been drafted, but you've actually got the chance to see him play. Um, so what are we looking at with this guy? What can we expect to see if, as expected, he sees a little bit of time with the big club this year? Um. To, well, to be honest, um, he needs a full year in Hershey this year, which I think he, he is going to get. Um, he, he has potential. He has some really good potential. He goes to where the puck is going to be. Um, from other reports I've seen, he's a very pass-first type player, but he can develop into a sniper, and that's – that's why I'm saying stay in the American Hockey League and don't rush this guy up. Mm -hmm. um, he had a couple game-winning goals with the Hershey Bears last year. They were against not the best opponents, considering we only played three teams last year. But the best way I can describe him for all the Caps fans that, that are listening, he's like raw sugar right now. He's good, but he needs to be refined. He needs to be sifted refined, develop his skills, and then he's going to be the delicious sugar that everybody loves. <laughs> but you can't right now because he's only 36 games in the American Hockey League, never really traveled outside of Newark. Mm -hmm. But I think a full season learning under guys like Matt Molson, Mike Scarbosa, Eddie Whitko, some good seasoned vets will really teach him not only how to you know, play hockey, but also go um, to quote, um, um, try and think for a second here. Um, Jalen from um, ESPN. Right. You know, just a guy say, young fella, this is how you talk to the media. This is where you put your bags. This is what you do. I got like you. those skills are very important as well, if that makes sense. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And so, and you know, that's the, and I guess it's a good conundrum based on his on his play, but you know that's the conundrum that Peter Laviolette's going to have. If Nicholas Backstrom isn't ready to start the season because of this injured hip, do you you know do you bring up a vet like Scarabosa, or you know does is it possible for McMichael to to play his way onto at least a temporary assignment with the Caps to start the season? 
Um, I'd honestly say Scarbosa gets that they'd want him to get called up. The guy is in his his uh, late twenties, mm-hmm. uh, but he's also another pass first guy, which is what Backstrom is. He's a setup guy, and that's the type of player you're going to want to to come in. Um, I do not think Connor McMichael is ready for that kind of pressure, especially since he's not going to. I know they're not going to slide him in onto the second line or wherever like Backstrom would be, but that's not the type of pressure you want to put on a 20 year old to say, Hey, Backstrom's out. Guess what? We're going to put you in his spot. Have fun. (laughs) No, no. And sure. It might sound like a good idea, but we don't know how long the extent of the injury is going to be. At least I don't on your podcast. You've probably said so. But, no, we don't. At this point, we have no idea. He hasn't uh, he hasn't practiced with the team yet. He's rehabbing off site. So it could be anywhere from, a, you know, a few days to a few weeks. We just don't know that uh, off site training. That doesn't sound good. It does not. So, um, it does so, not. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Scarbosa would be a better option as well. Um, possibly looking into, let's say, a Shane Gersich, a guy who spent a couple of years down there. Garrett Pilon, Brian Pinho, or a couple other options of guys who have had a couple years in Hershey to learn the system to really develop their talent because Pilon's turning into a really good two-way winger, really developing his, his defensive game, that those are guys you can call on. And also, calling up Connor McMichael, you're almost calling him up because he's basically a first-round draft pick. And that I'm sorry, he needs to proverbially stay in the oven for a little bit longer. Mm. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and you're right. Those other guys have had some time with the big club. I mean, Shane Gersich was uh, actually got some playoff action in 2018, and he was one of the black aces during the finals. So that may be a better way to go. What did you um, what have you seen of, of Hendricks LaPierre? I'm assuming like me, it's been mostly stuff online from the juniors. Boy, he has, you know, he's been impressive now in two games that that he's played with uh, with the Caps. But again, a kid that needs a lot of developing before they can even think about bringing him to Washington. Exactly. Um, He's only 19 years old, um, so he'll be going back to juniors um, whenever the Capitals do release him. But he is putting in work. You probably saw on Capitals Twitter, he was working on his face-off skills during the practices, and the numbers showed it last night. And I'm sure the cynical Caps fans could say, well, it's, a, it's against the Devils. It's the preseason. You know, you're not, you're not catching Jack Hughes or Nico Heashier in prime form, which you're not wrong, but winning face-offs, especially in your offensive zone that sets up scoring chances, but most importantly, winning them in the defensive zone, that's huge. Getting puck possession back, you know, taking away scoring chances from, from your opponents. You know, skills like that are extremely important, especially a guy who is listed as a center first. I'm not sure if he's a pure center, but listed as a center first. So, um, you know, as we said with Chandler Stevenson, just a guy who is dependable in the faceoff circle. And that's a very valuable skill to have. Big time. Reminds you of Jay Beagle, too, at times. Um, so 
so down down in Hershey, I mean, what are you guys looking at? Uh, you know, the, I think the Bears had, what, the best record in the AHL last year. I know there wasn't any Calder Cup playoff, but am I right? Didn't they, didn't they finish with the league's best one-loss record last year? Correct. They did. They won the Kilpatrick Trophy, which is our version of the President's Trophy. Mm-hmm. They did have the best record overall, um, but in some cases – to us, it's a hollow victory because the Hershey Bears are the 11-time Calder Cup champions. As I describe us, we're the New York Yankees of the American Hockey League. We don't, we don't care about division or conference championships. We don't hang banners for that. We hang Calder Cup champions. And that's like a it. very high, high bar that we set for ourselves. We've been to the finals 26 times in our existence. Mm-hmm. And one just under half of them. So while it was good that they had a pretty good team last year, we only really played the, the now defunct Binghamton Devils, um, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins, who's Pittsburgh's affiliate, who was decimated by call-ups and a really barren farm system there in Pittsburgh, and a really young Lehigh Valley Phantoms team that is the Flyers affiliate that is going to be pretty good this season. So hurt in my opinion, and I'm gladly Homer. I think this is a pretty good team that could be a serious Calder cup contender. And I say this just not being, that's always our expectations. I'm saying this as I think they are one of the best of five teams in the entire, the entire league. The offensive depth is there with Connor McMichael, Matt Molson, Pilon Pinho, Clark, Matt Irwin could get sent down as well. Cody Franzen on the defense. We have a lot of big players on defense. There's not a defender that isn't under 6-1 for Hershey. And this year will be a big test for Fukali and Phoenix Copley and Hunter Shepard as well. Shepard being a young uh, prospect with the South Carolina Stingrays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Copley, um, you know, he's 29 as well. Um, as uh, Sean O'Brien from the Calder Farm stand had said, he's starting to hit the back end of his career. So um, I'm not sure how much value there is in Copley anymore. But, um, you know, I mean, like at least for the Capitals, because their right. goaltending situation is pretty sure up. I know I'm rambling a bit. That's a lot from, from Hershey. But we'll see. We'll see what Zach Fukali can do when he's facing everybody in the Eastern Conference this year and traveling on like those Canadian road trips. So <laughs> exactly. So and, I, so I'm so I really think the team is a really good team this year. And, and and you saying that it it brings me to my next question that and and this is kind of the aspect of it that I find fascinating. Is this Hershey team? Do you think strong because? It's got a lot of guys like Phoenix Copley who are older and more experienced in the minors, or is it because they've got a lot of really good young players that could be playing in the NHL either now or in the next year or two? Um, just to or clarify, is it a combination of both? Um, to clarify, you're asking about Phoenix Copley? No, no, no. I'm just saying yeah. I'm using him as an example. Is yeah. is the team overall um, considered this strong and this good because you have players 
like that to where, you know, you're they're, they're men playing against boys at the HL level, or is it because the roster is really chock full of guys that can be, you know, NHL players either this year or next year? It's the thing is with the American hockey league, it is about who has the best group of prospects 10 or 15 years ago, you could load up on vets looking for a second shot or undrafted free agents. You could pick them up, but the league shifted to more of a developmental uh, league throughout the 2010s. And now it comes down to, you know, about 80, 20, what you said, who has the best group of prospects along with amount of veteran players who want to come in and help these young kids, but are also ready in case an injury happens with their NHL club to say, Hey, I'm ready. I can step in on the fourth line as well. So um, it's, it is about building up your farm system, but it's also kind of selling the free agents that there is a winning culture here. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think, this is the best Bears team that I've seen in about a decade that I think has a genuine shot to raise the Calder Cup because in 15-16, when the Bears made it to the finals, it was a team that got hot and then rode a hot goalie all the way to the finals. Um, this is a team that I think will be consistently good all year and up near the top of the division, if not the conference and maybe the league. So very exciting times here in Hershey, Pennsylvania this season. Yeah, you've got me fired up because it sounds like this <laughs> Capitals farm system isn't anywhere near as barren as some people made it out to be as, as you know, recently as a couple of years ago. It, uh, it, it was barren. I, I, it, was, it was barren and to where you had a few guys that were, you know, Capitals prospects, but they weren't going to go anywhere in the Capitals farm system and thus got traded elsewhere. See Matt Bowie, comma Madison. Mm-hmm. See Lewington, comma comma Tyler. Um, where Washington just had a lot of guys on the defense, and there was no room for them to go. One of my mottos have been, you know, if you're not going to be successful here, go somewhere else and get time, which is what you see, and right. that's why you see a lot of Bears fans. They'll wear jerseys of Bears players with other teams because you want to see guys succeed. You really do. So, um, so, so yeah, that, that's about it. Like, you know, we want, it's a good, healthy mix of the two to where now you have draft picks coming in that are playing to their potential and the Capitals saying, yes, we actually want to use them because unfortunately the red, white, and blue ain't getting any younger. Now, not getting any younger, but it sounds like there are some guys coming coming up that are going to be able to keep the winning tradition going, uh, you know, as as this course starts to age. Um, Richard, if folks want to find you uh, at the Hockey Podcast Net and on Twitter and every place, how can folks uh, in the audience find you? All right, everyone. Um, you can... You can uh, find the Grit and Barrett podcast. That's G-R-I-T. You know the things coaches love. (laughs) And Bear It, wherever you get your podcasts, um, Apple, Spotify, Google. We're on all the the platforms as well. Um, On Twitter, you can follow me personally at rbloss64. That's R-B-L-O-S-S 64. 
as in Nintendo Ultra 64, um, and uh, Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter as well. That account will be getting more active as we get into the season. We'll do some uh, we'll, Bears uh, scoring updates will happen on there as well, as, on as, as well as my unique flair um, when covering games as well. So as I say on my podcast, this is um, high energy and at times unfocused hockey talk, but that's something I just, I'm, I'm honest with, with my audience. And thank you again, Bob, for having me on. Hey, Richard, I uh, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. We will, uh, and we will definitely do this again as we get into the year. Promise that. The great Richard Blosser, ladies and gentlemen, from the Grit and Barrett podcast in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Richard, again, thank you so much, my friend. Hey, you're welcome, Bob. Not a problem. When we come back, it is a taking care of business game for the Washington football team. That's right. It's Get Right Day, Sunday, in Atlanta against the Falcons. What Washington has to do and how they're going to do it. We are going to talk with Rhiannon Walker of The Athletic. She joins us from Ashburn as we get set for week four of the NFL season right here on the Bob Matthews Podcast, only on the Hockey Podcast Network. So week three of football is in the books, and now it is time to review the tape and get ready for week four with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And to kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet a dollar on any football game. So listen up. You don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook. Head to the app right now. Place a bet of $1, just $1 on any game this week, and receive $150 in free bets instantly free play you can't beat free play if sportsbook is not available in your state yet DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grab all season long with their daily fantasy contests DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit download DraftKings sportsbook app now use the promo code THPN and receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game, that's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for, detail, for details. Rather, Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Washington football team back in action Sunday. It is week four. They're going to Atlanta to play Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. And that's why we got a little Bachman Turner overdrive playing in the background because it is a weekend to take care of business. TCB, baby. That's just the bottom line on this one. I don't care how bad Chase Young and the defense have played. I don't care how many bad decisions Taylor Heineke has made. Top to bottom, on paper at least, Washington's a better team than Atlanta. Doesn't mean they're going to win. It's a week-to-week league, and like Al Pacino said on any given Sunday, but if you just line these two teams up and play, Washington should come out on top. Uh, Went ahead and and grinded through the All-22 tape. I got to tell you, it's... I think it's even more interesting when they play badly to watch the All-22 than when they play well. Uh, The NFL finally uh, posted it 
late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. It was as bad on the All-22 as it was watching it in real time. Um, boy, uh, there are a lot. I, they, they had a lot of stuff to work on uh, the past two days in practice there at Ashburn. Things that stood out to me, uh, number one was probably most significantly was Cole Holcomb, actually, who I really liked coming out of college when Washington drafted him. Uh, I love his sideline-to-sideline speed, but he was just a beat slow on a, on a lot of those throws underneath. He looked like either he was either making the wrong decision or reacting you know, too slowly um, to his man. I don't know if it's that he's thinking instead of reacting out there or what, but he did not play well. Uh, John Bostick also did not have a good game. Uh, had same kind of problems. Also took some bad angles on some tackles. Uh, Chase Young was getting out of his lane a lot. Now, it's, and we'll talk to Rhiannon about this, it's a philosophical thing, you know, is it better to have Chase Young play in the Jack Del Rio system, or is it better to tell Chase Young to go out and wreck things? Because he is a game wrecker and a generational talent. I don't know the answer to that. That's why I do this in Jack Del Rio coaches. And we'll get Rhiannon's take on it um, in a few minutes as well, because it's one of the questions I want to ask her. Uh, there were a couple of bright spots. Uh, Taylor Heineken needs to look for Terry McLaurin more long because uh, Scary Terry was beating his guy off the line consistently. And for as bad as Sam Cosme played at right tackle against Joey Bosa, he had another really good game, both in pass blocking and in run blocking. In run blocking, uh, Pro Football Focus graded him as the sixth best Run blocking tackle in week three. I think he was, and I think he was somewhere in the twenties um, for pass blocking. Cosby's coming on, and he's coming on quickly. So that again looks like a nice pickup for Washington. But let's face it: this begins and ends with the defense. And if the defense can't pull its weight, it's going to be a long, long year again. If Matt Ryan comes out and carves him up, then you got a real problem. This seems like a weekend that is tailor-made for this defense. Ryan is older than Josh Allen, less mobile than Josh Allen, and Justin Herbert, for that matter. This is a guy, and the Falcons' offensive line is one of the worst in the league. Uh, so if you're going to feast on somebody, this is the weekend to do it. Whether, of course, that happens or not, remains to be seen. That we will find out at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Welcome to Washington football team insider Rhiannon Walker of The Athletic. Go to The Athletic today, get a subscription, and tell them Reese sent you. She will definitely appreciate it. How are you, my friend? How's Ashburn today? Oh, my friend, I'm having a wonderful time. If you want to know how Ashburn looks, it's beautiful weather out here. It's absolutely gorgeous, wonderful fall weather. The leaves are starting to change quite a bit. But guess what? I got here a minute before they shut off the testing situation, and I booked it. It's fun to know that I can still run like I did when I was in track. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, pretty good form, all things considered. So, you know, I still got it in me. Um, and watching a bit of the individual session, and, you know, everything was pretty cool. All right. Very. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the 40 time was like a 4-2-3, something like that. 
Uh, it was not that fast. These Tims are very heavy. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm very upset that I even had to run in my Tims because these are my nice ones. So it, it, it just <laughs> all was not it was, there was just a lot going on this morning, but it's okay. I made it here safely, which is all we care about at this point. So, yeah, and I got tested. The people in the testing site laughed about it. We had a good old hee-hee about it, hee-hee about it. Got to practice. Everything was fine. It all worked out beautifully. I love it. I love it when things work out the way they're supposed to. All right, speaking of practice, Antonio Gibson, uh, not at practice today. Do we need to freak out about that? What's going on here? Antonio Gibson has been dealing with a shoulder injury the last few days. I mean, he was at practice yesterday, so I don't think it's – I'm almost curious what it could be if it's possibly rest or whatever the case may be. But it's one of those things where we'll talk to Ron, we'll get the injury update and everything else along those lines. But that's the only ailment that I can think of, at least between yesterday when he was at practice and today when he was not at practice, and just thinking about what's been going on with him the last few weeks has been that shoulder Gotcha. Um, all right, Curtis Samuel then. We saw him at practice yesterday. Ron said the key is going to be how does he respond today? How did he look today after a full practice? We haven't gone through the full practice. Well, by the time I was talking to you, I am checking in uh, for what's the basis, individual period and everything else like that. But just watching mm-hmm. him, one of the things did a pivot route, and it was one of the things where I'm watching because it has obviously it has a lot of sharp cuts and turns all very quickly. And for someone who's dealing with a groin injury, you want to be able to see that they can move with some level of comfort and ease. He didn't look like he was laboring. All of this really, he can look good in practice, to be clear. Like, I hate to give people the wrong impression, but he can look good in practice. He's had several practices in the past where he looked good. He looked sharp and everything else like that. But the truth of the matter is, how do you respond to it? It's just like when you go into the weight room and you lift weights and you feel great after it. The next day, suddenly your arms are all sore, your legs are all tired and everything else like that. It, it really is about what happens in these next 24 hours after the fact because, again, he looks fine. He looks like he was moving pretty well. He was able to do pivot route. He's able to do whip routes and everything else like that. He had a nice little cut on a mid-range, um, on a mid-level route that he ran to the end zone and everything else like that. Didn't come up with the catch. But point being is that he looks good now, but does he feel good tomorrow? Does he feel good right. the next day? Well, he feels good enough for them to activate him onto the active roster. These are the questions that truly have to be answered here. And I, I guess it is progress, at least, that he felt good enough after yesterday to come out today and at least go through the individual portion of the practice, even though we don't know what's going on in the team portion. We do not know what's going on in the team portion, no. But he was an individual yesterday. Um, Ron said yesterday when we talked to him that one of the places that he looked particularly good at was when he was running his deep route, which – Washington could use some, some extra juice here, especially if there's any issues with Antonio Gibson. Um, you saw what he could do on the 73-yard screenplay. If there's any lingering issue, and I do not want to speculate at all, we'll just wait and see what happens today after practice. But if there is some issue, you would like to have somebody else supplement that, and obviously getting Curtis Samuel back could be a little bit of an injection in the arm for this offense that just needs a little bit more. I think it just needs a little bit more seniority. I think that's part of what has been missing so far. Like you have a lot of young guys who have some talent, but there's just those growing pains that you're kind of watching them all go through. Having some guys like Terry McLaurin, having some guys like a Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, I think it takes a little bit of the pressure off of this really when you look at the offense, quite young team there. Yeah. What, and I love when I get to use this word in a sentence, but what's the zeitgeist like with these guys now? I mean, you know, this, there's a little bit of an early season tipping point that's coming up here this weekend. Where's, where's the headspace with this team coming off the Buffalo game, you think? I feel like one of the things I've noticed about the Ron Rivera coach team versus 
the Jay Gruden teams. And probably a part of it is the fact that we don't get in the locker room, so we don't see some of the immediate frustration that we were able to see previously. I will account for that contextually speaking. But one of the things I noticed last year is that they never turned on each other at any point in time. They had opportunities multiple, at two and seven, or excuse me, at two and five, or excuse me, it was two and seven. I'm forgetting. It was seven. two and seven, yeah. It was two and seven. It was one and five. I mean, they had plenty of opportunities to turn on one another, and they never did. And that was something I think it's a reflection of the coaching staff. I think it's a reflection of the players that they've brought in, that steadiness, that understanding that right now what's hurting us is ourselves. And if we could correct some of the things that we're doing, we will find that there are some better results. It's only been three games so far. There's 14 more to go. Um, right. Coming out of this stretch, I, I mean, what, when I did the game-by-game predictions, I had them coming out of the stretch, I think, at 3-1, and one, something along those lines that they can beat Atlanta. Um, and I think you need, you need those wins against those teams that are definitely not playoff teams from last year. You definitely need those because the playoff teams that you are facing, the Saints are coming up, the Saints are coming to town. Uh, not, actually, no, I'm going to use that in the story later. I'm going to get real corny in the story later next week. Um, I love it. I love it. The town. The Chiefs are coming to town. you got to go to Green Bay, and they look good right now as well, too. Denver is undefeated at this moment in time. You have the Seattle Seahawks on the other side of your bye week. I mean, there are games to be won, but this next stretch is not, it's not looking particularly good for the home team, and especially if they keep beating themselves up. I think it's the same way that I, – I don't want to compare them to Chiefs because the Chiefs have the pedigree, but in the sense of the Chiefs right now are one and two because they're doing things to themselves that are hurting themselves. It's in some ways very simple. You have to give credit to the other teams for putting them in a position to do some of those stuff, but sometimes they're tripping themselves up with no help or encouragement from the other team. That's what I see a lot with Washington is that they do little things to themselves that hurt themselves. Um, I'm not talking necessarily about a team that comes up with ways to beat them on third down. Again, you have to give other teams credit because they have to game plan and scheme for Washington as much too. But I mean things like, maintaining your gap. So I just wrote a whole story about this and the fact that people are on the defensive line's neck right now. But when you actually look at the numbers, you actually look at what they're doing, they actually, they're playing quite well. It's things on the back end. It's things that other teams are doing that are disabling their ability to be as effective as they are. And it's hurting the rest of the team in some ways. Or, the, or for instance, on the back end, it's hurting their ability to do their job as best because there are people just running wide open. So it doesn't matter if these guys are getting the pressure. It doesn't matter if these guys are actually doing their job because all people see is like, well, wait, they got the ball out. They got the pass completed. They got another third down. Where is this pass rush? Well, a pass rush can't really get there in two seconds most of the time because especially if there's someone just running wide open. And that's kind of difficult. So, I mean, I think it's one of the things where they understand really what they need to do. It's just a matter of doing it, which is at some level probably more frustrating because it's not that they're just simply getting the brakes beaten off of them by these teams. I mean, their two first games were very close, but it's other things that they could do to help themselves out, keep these games closer, make these games more competitive, and or in some cases just blow the other team out the water. I mean, the Giants, it's, it's just little things like that that you do. It's like you turn the ball over late in the game when you could do something as simple as do a check down pass, something like that. It's it's stuff like that. I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but just to say in short summation that they're not panicking. They're annoyed with themselves right now. Like individual, like annoyed with themselves, knowing that they could be doing better, knowing they don't have to be in this position. They just have to truly not only buy into the idea of doing what their assignment is, but not forgetting their fundamentals when they are when they have their backs against the wall. That that speaks to Taylor Heineke. You can't get 21 points on one play. It's not possible. Right. You just take what the defense gives you, 
you move the ball up the field. The Buffalo Bills did that. They did that 17 play drive. They were fine with that. And that's okay. It kills time. If you still end up in the end zone, who cares? You've achieved two in games by doing that. That's all right. You don't have to go hunting for the big play every single time with a spectacular play. Sometimes the mundane play, letting your playmakers make the play for you, is the best thing you could possibly do. And it saves you getting some of the hits that he took later in the game. The defense, now one guy can do all 11 players' jobs. Ron Rivera, Brandon Thorne, who I talked to for the story for today, same thing. Just do your assignment. This is something Bill Belichick talks about. Do your job. Do not worry about someone else's job. Do your job specifically. All things will work out. No more, no less. And just watch the results. Yeah. I wonder if, though, that kind of limits certain people on the defense. And this thought is not original to me. I think I actually heard Kevin Sheehan talking about it yesterday. But, I mean, Chase Young is a game wrecker. Why not just let him go and, you know, wreck the game? As opposed to, as opposed to just doing his job, you know. I can understand that. I can how do I say this? I can understand that thought to a certain extent. But but. That's not. That's not. That's not the system, though. There are some systems right. where they say, "Go make a play." That it's, it's, for instance, I've heard a lot of people on my timeline in general conversation when they talk about Jamin Davis. They're like, why isn't he just going out and making more plays? They see Michael Parson going out and making plays. They see Zayvon Collins making plays. And I'm like, because that's what their system tells them to do. That's what right. their coaching staff tells them to go do. This coaching staff is not telling him to go out there with his hair on fire and just go make the play. It's about the collective, not just the individual. My, and also these are different kinds of players as well, too. They use Michael Parsons right now as a defensive end versus an actual linebacker. Who knows if they'll move him back or they'll keep moving him around, whatever the case may be. But that's not who Jamin Davis is. They have him because he's supposed to help in the middle of the field with some of the pass defense stuff that we've seen specifically this season, some of the issues that they had early last season. With Chase Young, He's a speed guy who, at his best, he is he is one of the best players at his position because he gives maximum effort at all times, plays 100 miles per hour, and everything else in between. One of the things that I did include in my story that was talking to Brandon Thorne about is that one of the ways that he could be better is the fact that, you know, you got to work on your toolbox. you got to work on that second and that third move. One of the things he noted is that the both brothers is that they come in, they're very particular, they're particularly polished. Like they have a lot of different stuff. They like do hand fighting. They have spin moves at their arsenal. They have that stutter, that hesitation. The same things that you look at with Khalil, Mack, Vaughn, Miller. The, one of the things that they do particularly well is they set people up. You have to think, if I do this thing, what does this person think I'm going to do? And if they think I'm going to do this thing, what is the counter to that thing that they think that I'm going to do so I can do that mm. and successfully get to the quarterback? That's what we're trying to, to do at this point in time with this guy is can you help him work on that toolbox? So, you know, he had one rep, let me give you an example. He had one rep against Buffalo where he won very easily, got up the field, and I'm talking about this in the story. But the other, the was a gap, I think it was the B gap, was vacated because Deron Payne got pushed inside particularly hard. So Josh Allen just easily stepped up. There was a running back wide open, dumped the ball off, touchdown. Very, very simple. Okay. So you can let the guy, you know, rip and run and do everything else like that. But it also has to play into what other people are doing as well, too. You could let Chase Shun run at 100 miles per hour every single play if you absolutely want to. But what good does it do you if the receiver is wide open? What good does it do you if there's a gap that a quarterback likes to it, – it knowingly likes to run through and it's wide open? It doesn't help you at all whatsoever. He just expended that energy for what exactly? 
very, very well put. I certainly couldn't have put it better myself because, well, I couldn't have that. That's why I called and talked to you <laughs> about it. All right. Last question before I let you go, because I know you got to go talk to Ron, but uh, Atlanta, one o'clock Sunday. Uh, is this a get right game for Washington? Do you think they get right? I think so. I, I have a, I, I mean, this is what I expected. I thought that the Buffalo Bills game was going to be a blowout. It was a blowout. Um, I think this is a screen of game, especially for the defensive line. One of the things that I was talking, I mean, I defer to, like, you, you talk to me about their stuff. I talk to other people who are really smart and understand things better than I do. Um, one of the things Brandon Thorne was talking about is, like, this is a really good game for them, matchup wise for the defensive line in particular. So Atlanta has a bottom 10 offensive line. They're particularly soft in the interior, and they have a right tackle that's just right to get beat. Um, obviously they'll do things to protect themselves against that, knowing that that's kind of something people have picked up on. But this is an opportunity for, for people who have kind of been watching the games. They want to see more sacks. They want to see more turnovers for Shoot, this could look like the Philadelphia Eagles game from the season opener last year, if you guys really want it to be. It could look like that. It could look like a number of different games where they just absolutely went off the Dallas Cowboys game, come to mind as well, too. Um, but this should, if there's a game where they can kind of tune things up, this would be the game I would expect that. Rhiannon Walker of The Athletic, thank you as always, my friend. I appreciate it. Remember, you can catch all of Reese's work at theathletic.com. Go get a subscription. Tell them that she sent you there. Believe me, she would appreciate it. Thank you so much. I will see you next Sunday for the Saints game at FedEx. Of course, Bob. Anytime you need me, I always appreciate being brought on. Thank you, as always, and I look forward to seeing you next Sunday. As always, thanks to Rhiannon for joining us. All right. Washington football team and the Falcons. It is the TCB taking care of business game. Got to get right in Atlanta this weekend. We will talk about it all on Monday. Have you a good one. Enjoy it. And remember, like the wise man once said, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white.